wasn't sure. Thank you, Sheila. Thank you. And thank you for being here. And uh, you can see that it is quite a day for us in the church. Lots of red, Reformation Sunday. We're welcoming new members today. We have a baptism at the 11 o'clock service. Communion table is set uh, to welcome us all the communion. Uh, so it's quite a day, a day of celebration for us. We have the bell choir and the choir uh, both here together, and they're going to bless us with music as well. And we have all those folks who are joining us online, and we're thankful for your presence with us as well. We hear from you often, and we are uh, very appreciative of you being a part of our congregation. The order of service is printed before you in the bulletin. Everything will be projected for you as well. So if it's comfortable now, I'd invite you to stand. Gathered in God's house, we worship in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Reformation hymn, A Mighty Fortress is Our God. Responsive reading this morning comes to us from Psalm 46. God is our refuge and strength. Therefore, we will not fear. 
Though the mountains tremble, we will not fear. Be still and know that I am God. He is all God the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. One of the hallmarks of the uh, Reformation was uh, a focus on God's word. As scripture comes to us, our hymn of praise, God's word is our great heritage. God, gracious Lord, pour out your Holy Spirit upon your faithful people. Keep them steadfast in your word, protect and comfort them in all their temptations, defend them against all their enemies, and bestow on the church your saving peace. We pray through your Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Please be seated. first lesson is from Romans 3. For no human will be justified before him by deeds prescribed by the law. For through the law comes the knowledge of sin. But now, apart from the law, the righteousness of God has been disclosed and is attested by the law and the prophets. The righteousness of God through the faith of Jesus Christ for all who believe. For there is no distinction since all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. They are now justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. The word of the Lord. I invite the choir to stand and move into place. We're a little short on choir loft space this morning, so uh, they're going to file into place, and we're joined by the bell choir and by Drew Mellish this morning on trumpet, our firm foundation.
Yeah.
Wow. None of that happens by accident. Uh, thank you. Thank you, the bell choir. Thank you, Sheila. Thank you, Drew. Thank you, Carl. Thank you, the choir. Um, as the choir is working their way back, it's a, it's a long way from country music. Uh, <laughs> So we thank you so much. We are, are so blessed by the variety of different gifts that people have here, and we'll be talking a little bit more about that uh, during the reception of new members, but uh, thank you so much for that. You know, the first sermon I ever preached here at Trinity Lutheran Church, actually down in the little church on the highway, was Reformation Sunday, 1989. And now, 34 years later, it's my hope that we're going to send you out the door today to your Monday through Friday world with a couple of the most important takeaways from a Reformation, a Reformation that literally changed the world. So we're going to start with a little Reformation background. I'm not going to assume that you know everything about Martin Luther or the Reformation. Martin Luther was born in 1483. That means the scientific revolution was about 60 years off yet. And that means that every failed crop, every natural disaster, was thought to be a judgment of God upon the people. The world was assumed to be flat. I know there's still some today who think it's flat. But in that day, everyone thought the world was flat. And it would be nine years before Columbus would sail the ocean blue. Luther was born in 1483, 11 years before Leonardo da Vinci would begin painting The Last Supper in Milan. 1483, Michelangelo was eight years old, and the great Renaissance painter Raphael was seven months old. The world was dark, and the world was cold. 150 years earlier, one-third of Europe had died in the Black Plague. And science could not explain it, so the only explanation they had was this was a punishment from an angry God. Life was harsh. It was very harsh. And the life expectancy was just 34 years. In 1517, Luther was 34 years old. It had been 75 years since Johannes Gutenberg had invented the movable type printing press. And though it's hard for us to get our heads around this today, Gutenberg's invention was every bit as revolutionary as the internet has been in our time. On October 31st, 1517, Luther, a Catholic monk, a Catholic priest, a professor of theology nailed the 95 Theses on the church door in Wittenberg, Germany. And we should say very clearly that Luther had no intention, no intention of starting a new church. You see, there was no such thing as a new church. In Luther's world, there was only the one Holy Roman Catholic Church, and by the 16th century, it was neither holy, or Roman. You see, the church of Jesus oppressed the poor, controlling their behavior by wielding a wicked trident 
of fear and guilt and superstition. Luther wanted to reform the church that he loved. And the more he taught and the more he studied Scripture, the more convinced he was that God's favor could not be bought with money. God's favor could not be earned with good works. If salvation boiled down to achievement and money, then why? Why did we need Jesus? It was time to bring the church back to Jesus. The church had strayed from the teachings of Jesus. And as Luther read Paul's words, his heart was warmed and open to the truth. Those words of Paul, I'll read now. Since we have all sinned and fall short of the glory of God, we are justified by his grace as a gift. 506 years ago, Martin Luther stood up against the most powerful institution on the earth. And against all odds, he called on the church to reform its ways. He questioned the church's theology. He questioned its superstitious practices, its use and sale of indulgences, and the oppression of the common, mostly uneducated, illiterate people of the Dark Ages. You see, the church used fear and guilt and superstition to keep the people in line, but also to keep the coffers of the church flush with the coins of the peasants. Luther challenged the church with his writings, and the Gutenberg presses worked overtime. In 1521, three-quarters of everything published in Germany was written by one author, Martin Luther. The debate spread like wildfire all across Europe. The Dark Ages were coming to an end. The world and the church would never be the same. That's just a little bit of the history. Pastor Tom will give you more down in the fireside room at 9.30 if you will join him. The history is fascinating. It has much to teach us. History is always a great tutor and teacher to us. There are so many things that we could learn from the Reformation that started 506 years ago this week. But I'd like to leave you with just a couple thoughts to ponder this week, and perhaps they're really thoughts that you could ponder for the rest of your life. The first is grace. Our only hope is God's grace. God, who is defined in Scripture as gracious and merciful and slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. Grace is our only chance. We cannot earn God's love. We cannot buy God's love. Our good works, our intellectual achievement, our worship attendance, our singing in the choir, our care for our neighbor and the environment are all very important. But we cannot earn God's love. We cannot earn our way to heaven. We cannot buy our way out of hell or purgatory. Grace. As our dear friend Philip Yancey wrote, 
There is nothing we can do to make God love us more, and there is nothing we can do to make God love us less. Now, you could put that on your refrigerator. You could put that by your bed. There is nothing we can do to make God love us more, and there is nothing we can do to make God love us less. You see, God just loves you. And God loves me in all of my frailty, in all of my brokenness, in my despair, even when I'm not sure that anyone else in the world loves me, God loves me. The Reformation started with grace. And I want to encourage you to live your life with a deep appreciation for God's grace and to find it in your heart then to be graceful and grace-filled in your interactions with those you live with and those in our community. Grace. The second takeaway for this Reformation Day is equally important. The teaching was radical. It was groundbreaking. It was outside the box. And it was also very empowering. You see, before Luther, the church thought, taught that the priest and the nuns did holy work. They alone did God's work on earth. The common people did whatever they needed to do to survive. They worked in harsh conditions to feed their families, but also to support the work of God, the holy work that would be done by the priest and the nuns. Most people just did secular work, dirty work, building roads, digging ditches, burying the dead, caring for children. The work of the butcher, the baker, and the candlestick maker were necessary evils, nothing more. Necessary evils to put food on the table and to make enough money to support God's work, that is, the work that would be done by the religious professionals. But Luther turned that all upside down. Luther taught that we are all, all of us, ordained, ordained for Christian labor and service by our baptisms. And what we do Monday through Saturday is, in fact, our ministry. The priesthood of all believers. That's what it's called. Now, this morning at the 11 o'clock service, Alta Jane will be baptized cute little 11-month-old girl just steal your heart. I got to tell you, I was with her yesterday. And as she does so, she'll be joining you, the priesthood of all believers. She'll be called to do holy work wherever life and work may take her in the years that follow. And this morning at this service and at others, we'll be welcoming new members into our Trinity Lutheran Church family. And what are they going to bring to us? They're going to bring their unique gifts, their unique talents, their unique histories and perspectives. They'll bring that all to our church, and as a result, we are going to be richer for having them with us. And they will go places each week where I cannot go. And they will touch lives that are untouchable to you. You see, they too will join the priesthood of all believers. So to review, there's nothing you can do to make God love you more, and there is nothing you can do to make God love you less. So hear this now. 
Nothing you do matters when it comes to your salvation. You got that? Nothing you do matters when it comes to your salvation. And yet, everything you do matters. Your good works, living out your calling where God has placed you, your loving service to others is critical. It matters. But our good works, unlike before the Reformation, our good works are not motivated by superstition or fear or guilt or the threat of punishment here in this world or in the world hereafter or torture in purgatory. No, every good deed that we do, every pair of feet that we wash, every hungry person that we feed, every act of kindness flows out of us as a response to the love that God has already shown us in Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen? Amen. Now, some of these theological battles of the Reformation are still being fought today. Maybe by you. I, I, I could ask you, have you ever wondered if your bad luck or your health problems or your financial problems might be a punishment from God. I hear it on occasion from you. You see, many are still caught up in this pre-scientific, superstitious world that marked Luther's time. They somehow believe that God has nothing better to do than to keep track of our wrongs and met out punishment to poor humans like us. Now, i got to say, there may be a thousand reasons for your problems. It could be bad judgment. It could be bad luck. It could be sin, even. But none of them can be traced to God. Or the superstitious thought that God is sending them your way as a tutor to teach you or an executioner to do you in. You see, the real message of the Reformation is quite simple. It's time for the church to return to Jesus. And that is true today as well. It's time for the church to return to Jesus. It's time for Christians to actually follow Jesus, not an institution and not some politically correct movement. No, we are, called to, we are not called to protect God. We are not called to keep the church pure or to establish a country club here for Lutherans. There are 13 times in the Gospels, 13 times where Jesus says, follow me. Two very simple words, follow me. And in some cases, Jesus was looking for a physical response, like when he called the disciples, a physical response, leaving behind their fishing boats and their old man Zebedee, and the disciples were called to physically follow Jesus to the cross and ultimately to the ends of the earth. But i got to tell you, for most of us, the call to follow Jesus is not about the relocation of the body, but about the reorientation of the mind. It is a spiritual calling. I really doubt that Jesus wants any of you to leave your families in order to head off to the mission fields of Africa or the war zones of Ukraine or Palestine. For most of us, 
following Jesus is about reforming our lifestyles and our priorities. We are called to cast out the evils that seek to possess our minds and our bodies. We're called to cast out all forms of addiction and racism and greed and the love of money and the need to control the behavior of others. And this is not easy. It's hard. And it's never finished. Everyone wants progress, but no one wants to change. And following Jesus involves change. Some things must die if we are to live the abundant life that God desires for us. What must die in your life? You're going to have to answer that. What should be left behind as you follow Jesus? That's for you to consider. You see, following Jesus is primarily a spiritual calling, a spiritual calling that leads us to a change in behavior, not a change in address. Following Jesus is about loving, not judging. Following Jesus is about humility, not self-righteousness. It's time for the church to get back to Jesus. It's time for us to get back to Jesus. Thirteen times Jesus said, follow me. What does that look like here, corporately, as a community? It looks like the checks on the wall in the narthex. Look at them every week as you come in. What's it look like? It finds its expression in gratitude, an attitude of gratitude, and in generosity. Following Jesus at Trinity Lutheran Church, well, part of what we have built this church on are three key sayings to help us understand our place and our calling together. I shared them with our new members last week. I'm hoping that you all know them by heart. The first is, blessed to be a blessing. We all have been richly blessed, but never in isolation. We're blessed so that we can be a blessing to our neighbors. It's a response to God's grace. We acknowledge what God has given us, and we respond not to go to heaven because it is a response from us to God's grace. The second, put yourself in the path of the gospel. What does that mean? It means showing up. you got to show up. I don't know who said, you know, 80% of life is showing up. Those in the pathway of Jesus, in the gospel stories, those are the ones who ended up being blessed. Put yourself in the path of the gospel as you've done this morning. And the final one, you know, minus the church where everybody's welcome. Everyone's welcome. This table, we don't own it. We just work here. We don't own the table. The master makes the guest list. We don't make the guest list. Anybody who comes in that door, regardless of their background, regardless of their criminal record, regardless of their orientation, regardless of their denominational uh, affiliations, are welcome here. Everybody's welcome, or soon none of us will be welcome. My first sermon at Trinity Lutheran Church was 34 years ago to this day. And in the 2,000 sermons that have followed, I hope we've grown together and that we've heeded the call to follow Jesus. And today, Jesus summons us, asking, will you? Will you? Will you follow me if I call your name? 
The question begs our answer on this Reformation Sunday, but in fact, that question greets us each and every morning as we wake up, and it greets us in every interaction we have with people every day. Will you? Will you come and follow me? Amen? I'd invite you to stand for hymn of the day. Will you come and follow me? our hearts now to God in prayer. Marie's going to lead us in the prayers. Each petition will end, hear us, O God, and our response, your truth has set us free. Let us pray. Set free by the truth of God's gracious love, we lift our prayers to God. We pray for all who long for a word of truth, 
and for the radical grace that flows from the cross in your word. We give thanks for Martin Luther and reformers in every age who seek to do your will. The church is always needing to be reborn. Inspire congregations to boldly and freely proclaim your love and welcome for all people. Hear us, O oh God. We pray for all who need any healing. Oh God, we lift up those in our gathered community, those who are absent from us, those in the online community beyond these walls. Hmm. Especially this week, we lift up those who have been affected by the senseless shooting in Maine. Be their hope. Let them lean on the community around them as each day passes. Be with all those whose hearts ache and who long for health and forgiveness. Hear us, O oh God. Loving God, let us always seek to follow you. Let us follow in the ways of peace. Turn the hearts that seek vengeance, not only, but especially in Palestine and Israel. Help us turn and follow you, knowing we will never be the same. May we be found complicit in creating peace. Let us risk the hostile stare as we work and plead for justice of the poor and an end to war and unjust attacks. May we use the faith we've found to reshape the world around us as we move and live and grow in you and you in us. Hear us, O oh God. We pray for your creation, O oh God. Be with all those suffering climate catastrophe, especially the communities near Acapulco, recently hit by Hurricane Otis. Guide all who make climate policy that they may see beyond narrow interests and be guided to bold solutions to heal this planet and provide a nurturing environment in which future generations may thrive. Hear us, O oh God. Into your hands, faithful God, we place ourselves and our prayers, spoken and unspoken, trusting in your mercy, through Jesus Christ, our Savior. Amen. The uh, following people have uh, passed a grueling two-week new members class a Deacon Amy and I taught, and I'm going to invite them to come forward. Uh, the rest of you can be seated. Uh, Diane and Carl Gerud. Uh, Teresa Ellis, Rich Malas, Carol Heimgardner, Alan Johansson, Sue and Jack Tierhar. Come on up and uh, come in behind the baptismal font here. I think there's room for you here. I'll move this little one out of the way. Come on up. Come on up, Jack and Sue, Carol, Alan, Teresa and Rich, Carl and Diane. Thank you. And there are others. Bev uh, Bacos is coming in uh, at a later service, and uh, Lori and Dave Gerlach as well. 
But uh, we are so honored by your presence here today. And so it's been great to get to know you a little bit through the new members class. And what I'll tell you is all these folks that are out here have been where you are today. Uh, they have all joined this church either by baptism or reaff reaffirmation of baptism, which is really what you're doing today. It's, it's pretty much the exact same thing that our uh, 13 and 14 year olds do when they affirm their baptisms. And it's really about you saying, at this point in my life, I want to follow Jesus in this place and with this community. Now we know that uh, it's rare that these are the end of the story. You've been in many places before here. Uh, your journeys have been varied with your experiences. Uh, so, but, but for right now, uh, you'll be joining us in a mission of grace and outreach to the community. And so we are so very happy to welcome you into this community of faith. I want to read from the Apostle Paul. Listen to these words. Now there are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but the same God works all of them in all of us. Now to each is given a manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. And that's what we're about here, the common good. The good of this community, the good in the community outside those windows, up and down the highway, and the community across the world as we try to reach out and make a difference. You've all been given gifts. Those gifts are not in isolation. Those gifts are for the common good. And so for us to join together, it's because we believe that God has called us to do that and that we can make a difference together in doing that. And so the vows I'm going to ask, come on in right around the water. Come on up, come on up, Carol and Alan, and come on up right around the water. I want you to touch the water for a minute. Go ahead and touch that water. It's a common element, like bread and wine. It's a common element that reminds us that we're loved, we're forgiven, and never alone. And every time we come forward for communion or come during the week and touch that water, make the sign of the cross on our foreheads, we are reminded that God loves us, that God forgives us, that we're not alone, and that we're called to be a part of a Christian community. And so I'm asking you this day, as you join this congregation, to affirm your baptismal vows, and these will be the promises that you make today. I ask you, do you intend to continue in the covenant that God made with you in holy baptism? What does that mean? To live among God's faithful people, to hear the word of God and to share in the Lord's Supper, to proclaim the good news of God in Christ through your words and through your deeds, to serve all people following the example of Jesus and to strive for justice and peace in all the earth. If that is your intention today, I'd invite you to say, I do, and I ask God to help and guide me. And so it is that we will uh, put Trinity crosses around your neck that you can wear to church, wear to pay less. Uh, simple crosses, again, common elements, not gold, not silver, common elements to remind us of our common calling. Jack, Bill, yeah. Sue, Diane, and Carl. 
Now I would ask you, uh, people of God, is your intention to open your hearts and your lives and your homes to these people and welcome them as members of Trinity Lutheran Church? If so, answer like you mean it. Say, we do. We do. Now I'd ask you just to hold a, a hand up as we pray for them. Good and gracious God, we give you thanks and praise for bringing uh, these new sisters and brothers into our fellowship. We thank you for the gifts they have. We thank you for their faith and their doubt and how we will all journey together asking important questions and serving all. Uh, we pray now for their lives, their families, their children, their grandchildren. Bless them and bless our time together. In the strong name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Now, I thought high and low of what else I could give you besides a cross, and uh, we have Trinity t-shirts for you. Uh, <laughs> so I'll get the, when, as soon as we get these people started here, you can get them large, medium, small, right across the, the pew there. Take those. Uh, they're yellow, not red for today. But I'd ask the congregation to please stand. Now we're going to put you to work right away, and this is your first act. Look out at these folks and say, the peace of the Lord be with you. Go ahead. Share the greeting of peace with each other. Welcome. Thank you for sharing. After the service, come on over in the gym for coffee, cookies, fellowship together. Um, we'd encourage you to do that. Uh, let's talk about the quilts. What did I do here? I just had this. Beautiful quilts are there on your table and uh, on your table, uh, on your pew. Uh, beautiful quilts made by our quilters, and there you see some of them. Uh, and uh, this is a ministry that goes on all year long. And there's a lot, uh, as you can see, there's a lot of ladies who are down there making quilts during the week. Hundreds of quilts go off. Where do they go? They go to war-torn and uh, disaster areas all across uh, the world through Lutheran World Relief. So these quilts are going to show up all across the map. There you see a map of some of the places where the quilts are going. And so this is a real ministry this, uh, for people who have lost everything, to have a quilt, to have some comfort, to know other people have thought about them and the beautiful quilts that they are. So I'm going to encourage you just to uh, rest a hand on a quilt, and let's bless these quilts as they leave our congregation. Gracious God, we give you thanks and praise for the warmth of this sanctuary and the welcome that we have received here. May we never take the blessings of our life for granted. We know that much of the world suffers in conditions that are less than your intention for them. Your children of all nations suffer from the consequences of greed and war and natural disaster. We pray that these quilts may go forth from our place of worship to the corners of the earth as a tangible sign of your love. Bless the hands of those who lovingly made these quilts and bless those who huddle beneath them seeking warmth and comfort. We pray, not understanding the mysteries of this world, but we pray believing that you have called us to make a difference in the world. 
May we devote our lives to good works and acts of charity. Amen. Amen. The quilts will go off. They'll pack them up today, and they'll be shipped off uh, from here. Uh, 70th anniversary. Here comes Jan coming down the aisle. This is next week. Uh, She's got the hula hoop. Can you do it, Jan? Let's see it. <laughs> All right, next, next Sunday, we have services at 8 and 11. We have a program for everybody right here in the sanctuary at 9.30, a historical program, singing, music, uh, some videos. should be a lot of fun. We'd encourage you to come out. If you've got poodle skirts, you can wear them. If you have anything from the 50s, you can wear them. If you don't, wear anything you want. Uh, but uh, do come out. And uh, also... The Yeah, I didn't do that. <laughs> yeah, anyway, never mind. Don't, never mind that man behind the curtain. Um, what are we asking uh, for you? We have a luncheon after the 11 o'clock service. We're going to have root beer floats and popcorn and hot dogs and Polish sausages and tater tots and all kinds of good stuff. And uh, we're asking if you want to help you can sign up in the narthex or sign up for only two things, jello salad or Rice Krispie treats. Okay, this is a 50s thing, so you can sign up for those two things. Bring those next week. We're going to have a lot of fun uh, next week right here at Trinity. We'll send out more this week about that. In the gym today, you can get Brothers 4 tickets. In the gym today, you can get the book uh, Gems of TLC. For, uh, by Jan and Judy. That'll be in there as well. And you can also sign up for Western States. Uh, Christy uh, Etzel is uh, spearheading this. Western States Christmas uh, gathering of gifts that we can send to Western States. You can see Christy in there for that uh, as well. And ushering today, uh, Barry Fisher. Barry, there's Barry back there. And uh, Barry has a milestone this week. He's turning 60 this week. And Barry, we're sorry. Still makes you young in this group, but uh, but congratulations for that. And you know what, Barry? There is a cake in the gym in your honor today. And you know, even though we're breaking all the rules at 60 or too young, we're gonna sing to you. coming up. There's a concert here this afternoon with the orchestra and Joy and Arnie are both playing at 3 o'clock right here. Fantastic. Uh, Let's see. Sunday Forum this morning, as Pastor Jim mentioned, Pastor Tom will be down the hall in the fireside room at 9.30 speaking about Martin Luther and the Reformation and our Lutheran faith and traditions and heritage. And then next Sunday, there will not be any Sunday Forum as we will all be hidden here in the sanctuary learning about the history of Trinity. And then um, a quick note that on our third Thursday of November, we'll be gathering for another family fun night. Uh, This time we'll be playing bingo, and um, we'll have lots of prizes, and you can even win a turkey for your Thanksgiving dinner. 
Um, so come on out on Thursday, November 16th. We gather at 6 o'clock for dinner together and a fun time for families and people of all ages. Thanks. All right. Thank you, Deacon Amy. We transition now uh, to the table. Uh, nope. What else? I can't, I won't remember from now to next week. We'll send out a reminder. The clocks will change next week. We'll send out a reminder to you. and I'll call you all. <laughs> Seven in the morning next uh, Sunday. As we transition to the table now, I'd invite you to stand. We gather now at a table that welcomed our parents and grandparents, a table that will welcome... Christians of a variety of denominations and colors here on the island and across the world. As we do so then, we remember a Thursday night in an upper room. It was Holy Week. It was the night in which he was betrayed. And on this night, our Lord Jesus took the bread and gave thanks. He broke it and gave it to his disciples saying, take and eat. This is my body given for you. Do this for the remembrance of me. And again, after supper, he took the cup and gave thanks he gave it for all to drink, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood shed for you and for all people for the forgiveness of sin. Do this for the remembrance of me. As often as we eat of this bread and drink of this cup, Jesus Christ has promised to be present with us. Let us pray now as he taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, gifts of God for the people of God. All are welcome. Please come. You may be seated.
May the body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ strengthen you and keep you now and always in God's 
grace. Amen. Amen. Fed and forgiven. Go out those doors to make a difference in the world. And as you go, may God bless you and keep you. May God's face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May God look upon you with favor and give you peace. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Our sending him, my hope is built on nothing less.